You're listening to Kalam Institute's podcast series, Sira, Life of the Prophet, by Sheikh Abdul Nasir Jangda. Visit us on the web at kalaminstitute.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash kalaminstitute. Bismillahi walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. So inshallah continuing with our series on the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In the last few sessions we've been talking about the early converts to Islam. The first few people who accepted Islam and joined the ranks of the believers and stood by the side of the Prophet ﷺ in this first phase of prophethood which was simply an-nubuwa, just the embracing of prophethood. We talked about a few different individuals, of course we at length discussed Khadija bint Khwailid radiallahu anha, the mother of the believers, the wife of the Prophet ﷺ. We also talked about Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, who was the cousin of the Prophet ﷺ, a lot younger than him of course, uh, at least 30 years younger than him, but he was in the care of the Prophet ﷺ. We thirdly also talked about Zayd ibn Haritha, who was a slave, who was in the possession of the Prophet ﷺ, but freed by the Prophet ﷺ and actually adopted, taken as a son. And the Prophet ﷺ basically raised him as one of his own. The fourth person that we talked about accepting Islam, and we started discussing him last time, was Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Of course, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. And that's pretty much what we talked about last time was the, you know, the sadaqa of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. The, the truthfulness, the honesty, the friendship uh, of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, and his ability, the tasdiq, his ability to be able to identify and recognize the truth. And so we talked at length about that, about how the Prophet ﷺ oftentimes would fondly remember and recall and even remind others that I called all of you to Islam. And all of you said you lie. All of you initially rejected me or hesitated at some level except for Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. He at once immediately accepted, embraced the faith and never doubted me for even a second. Continuing on with the story of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, I want to kind of divert just a little bit. It is still in relation to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, and today's session will pretty much still be talking about him primarily because there's a couple of very profound things which occurred initially, immediately after he accepted Islam that are very important for us to cover here. But a couple of things that I wanted to talk about was some of the very early people who accepted Islam were a very interesting mix of different individuals. There's a hadith that Imam Ahmed Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahimahullah in his Musnad and Ibn Majah rahimahullah in his Sunan narrate from Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu that he says, Awwalu man adhar al-Islam sab'atun. That the first people to make their Islam publicly known were seven individuals. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, of course a messenger of God, peace and blessings be upon him. Wa Abu Bakrin and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Number three was Ammar ibn Yasir radiallahu anhu. Wa ummuhu Sumayyah, his mother Sumayyah who was a woman. Suhaib who was a foreigner, he was Roman uh, by origin. Bilal radiallahu anhu who was a slave, he was an Abyssinian slave. Wal-Miqdad. And finally, the seventh one was Al-Miqdad, radiallahu anhu. 
He then goes on to say, Abdullah bin Mas'ud explains, فَأَمَّا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَمَ فَمَنَعَهُ اللَّهُ بِعَمِّهِ As far as the Prophet ﷺ was concerned, Allah defended him by means of his uncle. Abu Talib was the defense of the Prophet ﷺ and Allah protected him by means of Abu Talib. وَأَمَّا أَبُوْ بَكْرٍ فَمَنَعَهُ اللَّهُ بِقَوْمِهِ As far as Abu Bakr was concerned, then Allah protected him by means of his people. Banu Tamim. They protect, protected Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. وَأَمَّا سَائِرُهُمْ فَأَخَذَهُمُ الْمُشْرِكُونَ فَأَلْبَسُوهُمْ أَدْرَعَ الْحَدِيدِ وَصَهَرُوهُمْ فِي الشَّمْسِ But as for the rest of them, then they were at the mercy of the mushrikun. That they grabbed them, they snatched them up, they would dress them in armor made of iron, and they would throw them out in the sun, and make them roast out in the heat of the desert. We're talking about 120, 130, up to 140 degrees. That they would roast out there in the sun. فَمَا مِنْهُمْ مِنْ أَحَدٍ إِلَّا وَقَدَ إِلَّا وَقَدْ وَاتَاهُمْ عَلَى مَا أَرَادُوا إِلَّا بِلَالًا فَإِنَّهُ هَانَتْ عَلَيْهِ نَفْسُهُ فِي اللَّهِ وَهَانَ عَلَى قَوْمِهِ فَأَخَذُوهُ فَأَعْطَوْهُ الْوِلْدَانِ So he basically goes on to explain that all of them were eventually able to find some type of reprieve, respite from this torture, except for Bilal radiallahu anhu, that because he had no value to these people whatsoever, because he was a slave to them, he was just property, he was like an animal to them, that they basically handed him over to the children even. They would literally tie him up and drag him around in the streets of Mecca. And he would scream, He would proclaim the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this, is, this kind of gives you an idea of the early scene in Mecca. At the same time, What's also very important is to understand that at this point in time, there were other people who were starting to grow closer and closer to Islam. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is very remarkable. And one of the most noteworthy things about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is that he was the direct means, he was the cause, he was the one who basically took this message in the first couple of days of, his, of even his own Islam, he took this message to some very, very prominent, remarkable people who later on, not only did they accept Islam, but later on would become the front line and the leadership of this ummah. And they are some of the most remarkable people from the generation, from the most remarkable generation. So the Sahaba radiallahu anhu were the most remarkable generation. And some of the most remarkable people of that remarkable generation were brought to Islam at the hands of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. He was the one that came and invited them and delivered the message of Islam to them and brought them to the Prophet ﷺ to take their shahada. It's mentioned in many different narrations that Abu Bakr anhu, he was the direct means of delivering Islam to Az-Zubayr ibn al-Awam anhu. Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu Talhat ibn Ubaidillah radiallahu anhu Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas radiallahu anhu Abdurrahman bin Awf radiallahu anhu 
And all of these were literally in the first couple of days. The first two days of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu being Muslim. And it said that, فَانْتَلَقُوا إِلَىٰ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَىٰ عَلَىٰ Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu gathered all these people, or either one by one, he sent them to the Prophet وَمَعَاهُمْ أَبُو بَكَرْ The one particular narration that Ibn Ishaq mentions, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was going around talking to these people, kind of collecting these people together. And when he gathered them all together, they were all ready to accept Islam. He takes them personally with him to the Prophet فَعَرَضَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْإِسْلَامُ وَقَرَعَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْقُرْآنُ وَأَنْبَأَهُمْ بِحَقِّ الْإِسْلَامِ فَآمَنُوا And then the Prophet of Allah presented Islam to them, recited the book of Allah to them, and told them about the truth of the religion of Islam, and they all believed. وَكَانَ هَؤُلَاءِ النَّفَرَ الثَّمَانِيَا الَّذِينَ سَبَقُوا إِلَى الْإِسْلَامِ And these were the first um, this entire group that Abu Bakr anhu took to the Prophet they were eight of the first people to accept Islam and to attest to the truth of the Prophet of Muhammad and to believe in everything that he had brought. So this is something very remarkable about Abu Bakr anhu. Another thing, I don't recall if I mentioned this or not, either way, even if I had mentioned it, reiterating it really has no harm. Abu Bakr anhu had many different qualities, many qualifications. There were many things that made him remarkable. Even before Islam, Abu Bakr anhu was a leader of his people. Sayyidul Qawm, he was a leader of his people. He was a tajir, he was a businessman. And that was the most prestigious occupation. That's basically the equivalent of being a doctor in our communities. Alright, and so he was very prestigious, he was very well-to-do financially, he was very well-known, he was a leader of his people. One other thing that the, that the life, people that have documented the life of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and other sahaba, they also write that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was known by his people to never engage in any type of social evils. Even though the social evils that were prominent, predominant at that time, and they were completely the norm and acceptable, in spite of that fact, there were some few select people that abstained. And Abu Bakr anhu was one of those people. He was never seen publicly intoxicated by his people. He never would attend the gatherings where they would have, you know, dancing women who would sing and dance. And, you know, you, you can really imagine kind of like a, a nightclub type of scene, but ancient Arabian style. This was something that was very prominent at that time. You know, they, they, would be, they would be consuming lots of food, drinking lots of alcohol, um, having all types of lewd, shameless activity and entertainment going on over there. And this was something that, you know, men would go and attend and indulge in. And there was nothing that was seen to be wrong with that at that time because of the evil nature of society at that time. In spite of that fact, Abu Bakr anhu is noted for never having attended any one of these gatherings. He just wasn't personal, his, personally, he just wasn't um, tempted, he just wasn't somebody who engaged and indulged in these activities. And that was something that he was known for. That was something that he was known, uh, that was known about him very publicly, very well. Another thing about Abu Bakr anhu is that along with being very beloved, very respected, very honorable amongst his people, something else about him was that he had a very specific talent. The talent of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu that he was a genealogist. Now what that basically means is that he was an expert of genealogy. He was an expert of the family trees and the family lineages. 
He was an expert. Now, in order to do that, you have to be, number one, very intelligent. Number two, you have to have a superb memory. And then number three, to actually be able to inquire and confirm some of these things, you, are, you also have to have good people skills. You have to be a man of the people. You have to be able to converse and talk to people and kind of find out and confirm some of their personal family histories. And so Abu Bakr anhu possessed these qualities and he was actually known as the foremost leading authority when it came to family lineages in Mecca. Literally anybody that Abu Bakr anhu would see in Mecca, if he didn't already know them, he would say, what's your name? He'd say, my name is this, Fulan. Okay, what's your dad's name? So and so. Okay, so you're Fulan ibn Fulan. You must be the grandson of so-and-so, and your uncle is this. So how's your uncle doing? How's your cousin doing? Say salam to your grandfather for me. Right? So that was Abu Bakr He literally knew everyone. He knew everyone's family. He knew their lineages. And this was something very prestigious again at that time. I mean, this, this was what they prided themselves on. Their entire society was based off of this. And so Abu Bakr was a master of this. What that did was, that gave Abu Bakr a very strategic advantage to know people, know where they were coming from. And it also gave him, he was the ultimate icebreaker. Abu Bakr was the ultimate icebreaker conversation starter. Because he always knew, if he didn't know you, then he knew your dad, or he knew your grandfather, or he knew your uncle, or your cousin, or somebody, and he could always start up a conversation. And that ended up being the means, no doubt, by means of which Abu Bakr was able to look in society. And he was able to see, okay, who are the people that would be malleable? Who are the people that would be favorable towards accepting Islam? And so Zubair ibn al-Awam, Talhat ibn Ubaidullah, Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas, Uthman ibn Affan, Abdurrahman bin Auf, Right away he thought of these people Because he knew their personal histories And so immediately he went there and spoke to them And of course found a favorable response Later on something we'll talk about is When the Prophet ﷺ actually started actively engaging in more da'wah Abu Bakr anhu would oftentimes accompany the Prophet ﷺ And he would start up and spark up a conversation And lead into it and introduce the Prophet And all, a lot of times just make a connection He goes, you know your great-great-grandfather was so-and-so And do you know he was first cousins with his great-great-grandfather and then immediately a conversation started, a connection was made, and that's how the Prophet ﷺ would, launch, would oftentimes find his in, in talking to people. So this was a very remarkable quality of Abu Bakr anhu, and that was the means by means of which he was able to be very instrumental in bringing a lot of very prominent, amazing people to Islam. Now this leads to something else. This leads us to look at the ayat and the ahadith. Especially there are very, very explicit narrations in regards to this. The Prophet of Allah says, Someone who guides or directs towards something that is good is as if he has done it himself. Meaning he gets the reward of it, of doing it. So when I'm not only going for salah, when I tell somebody else, hey, it's time for salah, and that person prays as well, I get the reward of that, that person gets their reward, and I get a duplicate reward of that person praying. Whoever starts a good practice in Islam gets the reward of it, and he gets the reward of whoever will follow 
that good practice. So this is a form of sadaqah jariyah, ilmun yutafa'bihi, knowledge that continues to benefit. And because of that, the scholars say, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was the means of some of these eight remarkable people. At the very beginning, the front line of Islam accepting Islam. Everything they did for the rest of their lives in the service of Islam, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu received the reward of that. And then they obviously became the means for other people, who became the means for other people, who became the means for other people. And so the scholars say it is not difficult to imagine that the books of Abu Bakr are open and still recording deeds till today. Just imagine that. Imagine that. You know, even in our world, the world that we live in, there's the idea, there's the admirable idea of leaving a legacy. Leaving a legacy. And when oftentimes we talk about the legacy of the Sahaba, we talk about the name that they left behind, the reputation that they left behind. Today there are, you know, hundreds, thousands of Umars, of Uthmans, of Ali's, all over the world today, named after who? After the Uthman, the Ali, after those people. And no doubt about it, that is a part of the legacy of the Sahaba. But we have to understand one thing about the Sahaba. The Sahaba were sincerity personified. The Sahaba, they were sincerity personified. For Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the biggest legacy that they could leave behind was that if nobody ever knew their name, nobody would have remembered who they were. This is a favor of Allah and this is a favor of Allah, not so much upon them, but upon us. That we know who they are. So we actually have someone to look, after, look up to, to model ourselves after. We know who the Aisha, Khadija, Abdurrahman bin Awf, Abu Bakr, Umar radiallahu anhum. We know who they are so that we have role models, practical, tangible role models. But their real sadaqah jariyah, their real legacy, was the fact that their book of deeds are open till today to still recording deeds. Think about that. For 1400 years, that book has just continued to record. Has continued to record. And as the ummah grows, and as the ummah spreads, when you, we hear about a masjid here and a masjid there, when we continue to hear about Islam growing and expanding, and Muslims going farther and farther and growing, that just means their book continues to grow bigger and thicker and thicker, with more and more deeds. And so that's the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. That's their legacy. That's who they are. That's why, there's, that's why we have such admiration and respect for them. That's why and how they're role models for us. And it's very important to understand that and realize that. So, continuing on now, from the early narrations, we also have a few other stories, and I will eventually we'll circle back to talking about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, but I will kind of um, divert just a little bit just to kind of work in some of the other narrations. There are other narrations which talk about some of these early people coming to Islam. And I want you to kind of understand, there were still some of those miraculous things happening and people coming to Islam very miraculously and in very interesting ways. And from different, different ways. Some with explanation, some without explanation. Talha ibn Ubaidillah radiallahu anhu says that, and this is a narration that um, Imam al-Bayhaqi, he actually mentions that Talha ibn Ubaidullah, one of the people that Abu Bakr anhu brought to the Prophet there's a little bit of a backstory that's very fascinating. He says that 
I went to the Suq of Busra. This was a place, فَإِذَا رَاهِبٌ فِي صَوْمِعَتِهِ There was a worshipper who was in his temple worshipping. يَقُولُ سَلُوا أَهْلَ الْمَوْسِمْ أَفِيهِمْ رَجُلٌ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْحَرَمِ And he was basically inquiring from the people that all these people that have come to do business here, please ask if anyone here is from the Haram. They knew what the Haram was at that time. Mecca, the Kaaba. Is anyone here from the Kaaba? Ahlul Haram. So Talha radiallahu anhu presented himself this before his Islam and he said, Naam ana, yeah, I'm right here, I'm from Ahlul Haram. He said, Hal Dahra Ahmadun Badu? He says, Has Ahmad appeared? He said, Man Ahmad, who's this Ahmad you ask about? He said, Ibn Abdullah bin Abdul Muttalib. He's the son of Abdullah, the son of Abdul Muttalib. Remember, we talked about, and if you haven't been able to join us for those sessions, you can go and listen to the recordings. But we've talked about the names of the Prophet ﷺ and how not only was in some scriptures he referred to as Ahmad, even the Quran, when Isa ﷺ, that's why he refers to him as Ahmad in Surah Al-Saf. But even the mother of the Prophet ﷺ said to being fond of calling him Ahmad because she was shown in a dream to call him and address him as Ahmad. Anyways, so he said, This is the month in which he is supposed to become apparent to the people. He is the finality of all the prophets. He will appear at the haram. And he says that, and he will migrate to a place that has plenty of date palms and he gave some other descriptions to it as well. But the gist of it basically is, is that he's describing the landscape of Medina, of Yathrib at that time. فَإِيَّاكَ أَن تُسْبَقْ إِلَيْهِ So then the, the, this worshiper, this priest, tells Talha radiallahu anhu that you need to go and find him. You need to be one of the first people that goes and attaches on to him. قَالَ طَلْحَ طَلْحَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ says فَوَقَعَ فِي قَلْبِ مَا قَالْ And what he said made a lot of sense to me. فَخَرَجْتُ سَرِيعًا حَتَّى قَدِمْتُ مَكَّةً So I quickly departed until I reached back home to Makkah. فَقُلْتُ هَلْ كَانَ مِنْ حَدَثٍ I started asking, did anything major, anything of significance occur while I was gone? So قَالُوا نَعَمْ مُحَمَّدُ بْنُ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ الْأَمِينَ تَنَبَّأَ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ they said, yes, Muhammad ibn Abdullah al-Ameen. They call him al-Ameen, but then look what they say about him. Tanabba'a. Tanabba'a is the verb in the Arabic language that doesn't mean to be a prophet. It means to pretend to be a prophet. They say, look at, look at the contradiction here. They say, Muhammad ibn Abdullah al-Ameen. You know the trustworthy guy? Yeah, he pretends to be a prophet. Like they're contradicting themselves. They're contradicting. You know like when somebody goes to the imam and they go, Imam, you don't know what you're talking about. Right? So it's kind of like either he does know what he's talking about or don't call him imam. Right? Like you got to pick one or the other. A very common predicament. Imam Ziya could probably give you a lot of stories, mashallah. So, Muhammad ibn Abdullah al-Ameen tanabba'a. He pretends to be a prophet. وَقَدْ إِتَّبَعَهُ إِبْنُ أَبِي قُحَافَةً And they said, Abu Bakr, the son of Abu Quhafa has followed him. فَقَالَ خَرَجْتُ حَتَّى دَخَلْتُ عَلَىٰ أَبِي بَكْرٍ So I went until I found Abu Bakr رضي الله عنه فَقَالَ أَتَبِعَتَ هَذَا الرَّجُلِ فَقُلْتُ I said to him, have you followed this man Muhammad? 
sallallahu alayhi wa he said yes. So he said, فَانْطَلِقْ إِلَيْهِ فَدُخُلْ عَلَيْهِ فَاتَّبِعُهُ And then Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, ever the da'i, the constant caller to Allah, he says, yes I have. He goes, you should go to him, you should go and meet him, you should follow him too. فَإِنَّهُ يَدْعُوا إِلَى الْحَقِّ Because he calls to the truth. فَأَخْبَرَهُ طَلْحَ بِمَا قَالَ الْرَاهِبِ And then Talha said, well I got some information for you. Wait till, I, wait till you hear what I got to tell you. And then he tells him the story about this worshiper. فَخَرَجَ أَبُوْ بَكَرْ بِطَلْحَ فَدَخَلَ بِهِ عَلَى رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ فَأَسْلَمَ طَلْحَ Then Abu Bakr immediately took him to the Prophet until Talha accepted Islam. Now, Talha tells the Prophet what the worshiper, what the rahib had said. And the Prophet was very pleased to hear this, as you can imagine. فَلَمَّا أَسْلَمَ أَبُو بَكَرْ وَطَلْحَ أَخَذَهُمَا نَوْفَلُ بْنُ خُوَيْلِدْ بِنْ الْعَدَوِيَّةِ Nawfal bin Khuwaylid bin al-Adawiyyah, he basically, once Talha accepted Islam and he found out both Abu Bakr and Talha radiallahu anhumah were Muslim, may Allah be pleased with them, he grabbed both of them, basically kidnapped them. وَكَانَ يُدْعَى أَسَدْ Quraysh. He used to be called the Lion of Quraysh, Nawfal bin Khuwaylid. So he was, he was like a warrior. But at the same time, because of that, he was a little bit of a troublemaker. Because he knew he could get away with it. The intimidation factor. So he took one rope and tied up both of them using one rope. Like tied them to each other. Like prisoners. And Banutaim were basically not able to come to their come to their rescue immediately. They weren't able to come and help them immediately. So they were left there tied for some time. فَلِذَلِكَ سُمِّيَ أَبُو بَكَرْ وَطَلْحَ الْقَرِينَينَ And from that day on till the end of their life, Abu Bakr and Talha would be fondly remembered as Al-Qarinain. They were called best buddies. Because they used to recall, you know sometimes when you've kind of been through something tough with somebody early on, you kind of develop a bond with them for the rest of your life, like brothers in arms, right? So that's what Abu Bakr and Talha radiallahu anhumah, their relationship was like. And they were called Al-Qarinain. The Prophet of Allah sallallahu at that point in time when he found out what was going on with Abu Bakr and Talha radiallahu anhumah, he made dua, Allahumma kfina sharra ibn al-adawiyah, O oh Allah, you help us, free us from the evil of this man, Nawfal bin Khuwaylid. And then basically after that, Abu Bakr and Talha, may Allah be pleased with them, they were able to escape from his clutches at, by means of the dua of the Prophet And so as I was mentioning earlier, Abu Bakr anhu was the direct cause of many of the people early on accepting Islam. There's, there's another interesting narration which kind of gives a little bit more detail where... Um, it talks about Aisha radiallahu anha actually narrates this by what she had learned from the Prophet sallallahu and her own father Abu Bakr that she says Kharaja Abu Bakr yuridu Rasulullah sallallahu Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu literally the day after prophethood he goes out looking for the Prophet sallallahu and he says and wakana lahu sadiqan fil jahiliyyah he was the Prophet sallallahu's best friend and he met the Prophet sallallahu and he said ya Abu Qasim you were missing from the gatherings of your people today. 
And they're saying that you are talking about some strange stuff and you're basically talking bad about their forefathers. فَقَالَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ أَدْعُوكَ إِلَى اللَّهِ I am the messenger of God and I call you to Allah. As soon as the Prophet ﷺ completed presenting his message, أَسْلَمْ Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr radiallahu accepted Islam. فَانْطَلَقَ عَنْهُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ And the Prophet ﷺ departed then. وَمَا بَيْنَ الْأَخْشَبَيْنِ أَحَدٌ أَكْثَرُ سُرُورًا مِنْهُ بِإِسْلَامِ Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. وَمَضَى Abu Bakr. And so nobody was more pleased with the Islam of Abu Bakr than the Prophet ﷺ. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu goes out. And he finds Uthman ibn Affan, Talha ibn Ubaidullah, Zubair ibn Awam, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. And they all become Muslim. Then he sets out the next day and he finds Uthman bin Mad'un. He finds Abu Ubaidat ibn al-Jarrah. Abu Ubaidat ibn al-Jarrah, who the Prophet ﷺ dubbed, he titled him as Aminu Hadhi al-Ummah. The most trustworthy man of this Ummah. He, on the second day of being Muslim, Abu Bakr approaches Uthman bin Maz'un. He approaches Abu Ubaidat ibn al-Jarrah and the third one, Abdurrahman bin Auf, and also Abu Salama bin Abdul Asad, the famous Abu Salama, whose wife was Ummu Salama, who would later on, he would die, Abu Salama, and his wife, Ummu Salama, would become one of the Ummahatul Mu'mineen, one of the wives of the Prophet Abu Salama accepted Islam on the second day of Abu Bakr anhu, being Muslim by means of Abu Bakr. وَالْأَرْقَمْ بِنْ أَبِلْ أَرْقَمْ And Arqam bin Abil Arqam. Who was Arqam bin Abil Arqam? He was? He's a friend of Muhammad Masnara. And he hides in his house. Absolutely. He was the founder of Darul Arqam. He was the founder of Darul Arqam. The first place of congregating, the first place of worshipping, the first safe haven, private kind of, you know, worshipping place that they had, the Muslims, it was his home, Darul Arqam. And who brought Darul Arqam to Islam? Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu on the second day of being Muslim. You want to talk about quality? Game recognized game. You see this? Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, his quality, look at the type of people he brings to Islam. فَأَسْلَمُوا They all accepted Islam. Radiallahu anhu, may Allah be pleased with them. So, this is the story of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. The story proceeds a little bit further, and this will lead into the final story that I'll share here about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. What I'd like to basically explain is, the narrations mention that at this point in time, the, some narrations say that there were, you know, 38 believers. Some of the narrations um, say that there were Almost about 40 people all together. And there's a list of who some of these people were. Aside from the people that we've already talked about, some of the others were Abu Salama, of course we talked about him. Abdullah bin uh, Abdul Asad, uh, Al-Arqam bin Abil Arqam, who we just spoke about. Uthman bin Mas'un, who we spoke about. His two brothers, Qudama and Abdullah. Also were some of the early believers. Ubaidah ibn Al-Hadith, um, Asma and Aisha, the two daughters of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, um, they also were some of the early believers. Khabab bin al-Arat, 
who was a slave that underwent a lot of torture, was one of the early believers. Umair bin Abi, uh, bin Abi Waqas, the Sa- brother of Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas, was also one of the early believers. Sa'ad's brother, Abdullah bin Mas'ud, radiallahu anhu, was also one of the early believers. I'll tell you the story of Abdullah bin Mas'ud, maybe towards the end of today's session, and Mas'ud bin Al-Qari. Um, some of the others that are mentioned in the days following were... Um, Salih bin Amr, Ayash bin Abi Rabi'ah, his and his wife, Asma bin Salima, Khulais bin Hudayfa, bin Hudafa, excuse me, uh, Amir bin Abi Rabi'ah, Abdullah and Abu Ahmad, the two sons of Jahsh bin Zi'ab, uh, Jafar bin Abi Talib, and his wife Asma bin Umais, Hatib uh, ibn Al-Harith, and his two brothers, Khattab and Muammar, as well as the wives of the first two sons, Asa'ib bin Uthman ibn Maz'un, Al-Muttalib ibn uh, Azhar, and his wife Ramla, Naim Ramla, who would later on go on to be known as Ummu Habiba, who would also become one of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. She was one of the early believers. She was the daughter of Abu Sufyan, very interestingly. Naim bin Abdullah, uh, Amir ibn uh, Fuhaira, who was one of the servants of Abu Bakr anhu, Khalid bin Sa'id, I'll tell you a story about Khalid bin Sa'id in just a little bit. His wife, Amina bin Khalaf, Hatib ibn Amr, Abu Hudayfa, uh, Mahsham bin Utba, Waqid ibn Abdullah, Khalid ibn Abi Bakr, Khalid ibn Al-Bakir, uh, ibn Abdi Ya'lil, and his three brothers, Amir, Aqil, and Iyas, Ammar bin Yasir, and of course, Suhaib ibn Sinan. These, all of these put together basically amounted to 40 believers. And these were the first 40 believers who basically made up the original core of the believers. When the numbers reached this many, and it seemed like it was gaining some traction, and they were gathering together in the house of Arqam, and they were worshiping together, praying together. At this point in time, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu naturally being a leader of people, and also just having that yearning desire, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu told the Prophet he actually insisted upon the Prophet we should go public. We should all go and make a public stand. This is who we are, this is what we're about. That's it, it is what it is. We need to go at least and make some type of a public appearance as a group, as an ummah. The Prophet ﷺ, and this is something interesting, this is prophetic wisdom. Now the Prophet ﷺ didn't issue a command. Because if he would have issued a command, Abu Bakr never would have argued with it. سَمِعْنَا وَطَعْنَا مَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُدُهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنُهُ فَانْتَهُ he would have obeyed the Messenger But the Prophet is sharing prophetic wisdom But oftentimes we have to Kind of learn a lesson sometimes by multiple means Not just through instruction But a little bit through experience The Prophet And also this is the will and the decree of Allah That this was to occur Because it taught us a very profound lesson So the Prophet said Ya Aba Bakr inna qaleel so he didn't say, no, we're not going. Because then there would be no argument. He said, oh Abu Bakr, we are very few. We are very few. I mean, we sit together in a room and it feels empowering. But you do understand, we are very few. He said, I know, O Messenger of Allah, but we got to go. So the Prophet ﷺ said, all right, 
If you insist. So they, all the believers, they got together, they went to the masjid, and when they got to the haram, they kind of spread out a little bit. And each person went and kind of sat next to some people from his or her tribe or family. Because that was a natural way of kind of making a stronger showing. Because if you wanted to go, you know, bash somebody in the head, and all of a sudden you see him sitting with some of his tribes people, there was enough tribal pride to where the tribes people would have said, wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second. We think he's crazy too, but he's our crazy. We'll do what needs to be done. You ain't touching him. So there was enough tribal pride, there was enough rivalry between the families and the tribes to be able to provide some type of protection or safety. So they kind of spread out, found a couple of people of their tribe and family, just kind of sat with them. Because they used to naturally sit, kind of split up, segmented. This jahiliya, remember. That's why when we come to the masjid, and when we sit with our own little ethnic, ethnic groups, we're acting like people of jahiliya. That's not the ummah of the Prophet ﷺ. The ummah of the Prophet ﷺ mixes and mingles. And we should mix and mingle everywhere. But if there's one place where we have to make a concerted effort to mix and mingle, that's the house of Allah. So nevertheless, the Sahaba عنهم, facing overwhelming odds, to kind of split out, spread out, to kind of find a little bit of support. And the narration very beautifully says, Abu Bakr عنه, stood up and addressed the people. And the person narrating the narration says, وَقَامَ أَبُو بَكَرْ فِي النَّاسِ خَطِيبًا وَرَسُولُ The Prophet was sitting near Banu Hashim in Quraysh. And because the Prophet had said to people, they knew that he was the one, the Prophet. But to see somebody respectable from the community speaking on behalf of him, saying, I believe and I support this message. So it was like an endorsement. First public endorsement by a very, very influential figure of the community. So Abu Bakr stood up and spoke. This is the first time somebody stood as a khatib calling to Allah and His Messenger. And they basically mobbed. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and many of the other Muslims who were there at that time as well. Basically, a lot of Muslims got beat up in these different in the different corners of the Haram on that day. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu got the worst of it. And he was beaten very severely. Someone told the narration says that Utbah Dumul Rabi'ah who was a very hateful, spiteful enemy of Islam. He specifically went, he took his shoes off. And the narration specifically says that he had hard-soled shoes. His shoes had hard soles. Which is very distinct at that time. Because typically, a lot of times, because it was the desert and the sand, a lot of times the shoes that they would wear would be made out of leather and would be soft, flexible, almost like what we would consider flip-flops. That was very common footwear at that time. But he had soles that were like very hard. 
He took his shoes off, and the narration says he sat. Abu Bakr radiallahu was thrown on the ground as he was being beaten. He sat on the chest of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, took his shoes, hard soles like dress shoes, and started to pound the face of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu with his shoes. And specifically, the narration says he was targeting the nose of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu till he beat it so badly. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was bleeding so much you couldn't recognize him. His whole face was covered with blood. His nose was severely broken. So much so that his face was even a little disfigured. And he was basically beaten into a coma. Finally, the narration says that Banu Taim, when they saw what was going on, and it was like pandemonium in there. It was a riot. It was a mini riot. Finally, the people of Banu Taim who were there, the people of the family of Bakr anhu, they realized what was going on. So they surrounded him and they pushed everyone off. And... They quickly picked up Abu Bakr and rushed him off to his home. Actually, to his mother's home. And subhanAllah, you know, tafa'ul. There's a, there's a thing in, in, in Arab culture, in the Arabic language, in Arab culture, which the Prophet actually affirmed of, it's called tafa'ul. Tafa'ul means to almost hope for something good by saying good words. Um, I don't want to quite call it good luck because there's no concept of luck. But it's almost like, you know, a good encouragement by giving something a good name or saying something good. So like it's almost like if a boy starts to memorize the Qur'an or a boy starts coming to a Qur'an class and he's still doing alif, ba, ta, tha and you call him mashallah, hafiz of the Qur'an. Like a boy named Ahmed starts coming to Qur'an class and you call him hafiz Ahmed. Now obviously he's not a Hafid of Qur'an, but when you call him Hafid Ahmed, it's almost like an encouragement. Like almost like, you know, um, almost kind of like predicting. I can see this kid becoming a Hafiz, mashallah. Like that, in that sense. This is called Tafa'ul. The name, the, the, the kunya, the laqab of the mother of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was Ummul Khair. The mother of good. And you obviously see that Tafa'ul playing out because she's the mother of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. So she was called Ummul Khair. So they take her to the house of Ummul Khair. And then the family of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, they actually go back outside and they take an oath at the haram. they saying that if he dies, because they said everyone who looked at Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu at that moment was almost certain this man is going to die. He's not going to survive. They took an oath. They said, if he dies, we will publicly murder Utbah ibn Rabi'ah as retribution. We will publicly murder him. Like it was such a severe situation. So now Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is there. Abu Quhafa, his father, and some of the other leaders of Banu Taim are there. They're trying to talk to him, trying to communicate with him, trying to resuscitate him, trying to help him regain consciousness. And it said that he didn't wake up or talk to anyone almost for a day. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of spitballing here, but I may be assuming too much, but I, I almost can see that being like almost like a coma. And so he was beaten into a coma. He finally recovers after a day or so, snaps out of it, comes back. And the first thing that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu says is, ma fa'ala Rasulullah What happened to the Prophet? Because last he remembers, he sees everybody, a dozen people getting beaten severely. He sees his own face getting pounded in and he blacks out. What happened to the Prophet? Wakes up and that's the first question he asks in a panic. 
Because that's the last thing he remembers. It said that literally, all the leaders of his family who were sitting around him, they start cursing him. They start cursing him. They, this, this, this guy is hopeless. He's a fanatic. He's crazy. He's lost it. We're wasting our time with him. He's still asking about him. He almost dies serving him. And now he asks about him. So they leave him. Literally everyone leaves. Before they leave, they tell his mother, Umul Khair, that we know you're his mom, so you're gonna take care of him. Just try to make sure, you know, they give him some, some they give her some advice, medical or health advice. Make sure he drinks a little bit of this, he eats a little bit of that. Like just get his, get him, get his nutrition back and get him to start kind of recovering and rehabilitating. So she approaches him with some food, some water, some things. And he says, what happened to the Prophet ﷺ? She says, I swear to God, Wallahi, ma li ilmun bi sahibik. I swear to God, I don't know what happened to your friend. I don't know. I'm just a simple old woman who's worried about her son. So please, let me take care of you. He says, go to Ummu Jamil. Ummu Jamil is the sister of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, who's one of the early converts to Islam. Her and her husband, Sa'id bin Zaid, who's one of the Ashara Mubashara. And so he says, go to Ummu Jamil. She'll know. You can trust her, she'll know. So she realizes he's not about to let me do anything for him until I go and I find out. She goes to Ummu Jamil and she says, what can you tell me about the Prophet That she says, my son Abu Bakr asks you, sent me to ask you about Muhammad ibn Abdullah. Ummu Jamil says, ma a'arifu Abu Bakr wa la Muhammad ibn Abdullah. I don't know Abu Bakr and I don't know Muhammad ibn Abdullah. I don't know. Now, this is a form of lying that is permissible for the sake of protecting one's own safety, hiding one's faith. So I don't know. I can't tell you anything. And she said that, okay, fine. I think I understand what's going on here. How about this? My son almost got killed. He almost died. How about you just come visit him and see how he's doing? She goes, okay, I'll do that. You're a mother. Your son is you know, going through some really hard times. Let me come help you out. So she comes, when she rushes to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, and when she sees him, she screams. Ummu Jamil, when she sees Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, she screams. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is basically a leader to them. He's a Prophet's right hand man. She screams. And she says, who are the people that did this to you? She swears by Allah that the people who would do this to you are some terrible people. Ahlu fisq wa kufr. And I swear to, I, I hope that Allah takes revenge on your behalf from those people. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu's response, he didn't say, yeah, look what, ma fa'ala Rasulullah sallallahu What happened to the Prophet She says, Ummu Jamil says, your mother is listening. I mean, you know our situation. You almost died. She's listening. Abu Bakr says, you don't have anything to worry about in terms of her. She's good. So then she says, Salimun Salihun. The Prophet is just fine. He's safe. Don't worry. 
He says, where is he? He says, he's in the house of Arqam. Daru ibn Abi Al-Arqam. And then Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu says, to the chagrin of his mother, to the disappointment of his mother, فَإِنَّ لِلَّهِ عَلَيَّ فَإِنَّ لِلَّهِ عَلَيَّ I swear to God that أَلَّا أَذُوقَ طَعَامًا وَلَا أَشْرِبُ شَرَابًا أَوْ أَعْتِيَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ I will not taste anything, I will not drink a sip of water until I go and I see the Prophet ﷺ myself. So then Ummu Jamil, this believer, believing woman, and the mother, Ummul Khair, basically wait till the evening, till the streets kind of calm down, everybody goes home, and then they leave. And instead of Abu Bakr who can't even walk on his own, he's leaning on them. And they're literally carrying him until they reach the house of Arqam. And the Prophet and Abu Bakr goes inside. And when the Prophet sees Abu Bakr this tells you the love. Normally in this story, what would you expect? Abu Bakr went and hugged the Prophet The narration says, فَأَكَبَّ عَلَيْهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم, فَقَبَّلَهُ the Prophet ﷺ, as soon as Abu Bakr walked through the door, and the Prophet ﷺ saw Abu Bakr the Prophet ﷺ went and hugged Abu Bakr ﷺ, went and grabbed him. And the Prophet ﷺ kissed Abu Bakr ﷺ on his forehead. And the Prophet ﷺ had tears in his eyes. And all the Muslims came around. The Prophet ﷺ teared up. And became very emotional by seeing the condition of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. And the, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu taught us iman on that day. He said, Bi abi wa ummi ya Rasulullah. Laysa bi ba'sun illa ma nal al fasiq min wajhi. Wa hadhi ummi barratan bi waladiha. Wa anta mubarakun fad'uha ila Allahi. Wad'u Allaha laha. Asallahu an yastanqidaha bika min al nar. Subhanallah. Abu Bakr anhu said that, O oh Messenger of Allah, may my father and mother be sacrificed for you. I don't care. No matter what some wretched man does to my face, it doesn't matter to me. As long as I see you and you're okay. And then, after stating his iman, his love for the Prophet ﷺ, what's the second thing now? He got what he wanted, right? I won't eat anything, I won't sip any water until I see the Prophet ﷺ is okay. He got what he wanted. What does he say now? Look at the second thing on his mind. He says, O oh Messenger of Allah, ummi. This is my mother. Barratan biwaladiha. She's a good mother, O oh Messenger of Allah. She, take, she took care of her son. She doesn't understand why her son is the way that he is. Why he believes in this. Why he makes these sacrifices. Why he's so desperate to see you. But she took care and she did right by her son. She's a good mother, O oh Messenger of Allah. She has a clean heart. And you are blessed, O Messenger of Allah. You are blessed. You are blessed by God. Fad'uha ilallah. Please call her to Allah. Wad'ullah laha. And ask Allah. Make dua on her behalf to Allah. That Allah put Islam in her heart. I hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save her from the fire by means of you, O Messenger of Allah. Fad'a laha Rasulullah. So the Messenger of Allah made dua for her guidance. ثُمَّ دَعَاهَا إِلَى اللَّهِ 
And then he called her to Allah. فَأَسْلَمَتْ And she accepted Islam. The mother of Abu Bakr accepted Islam. No sacrifice goes unrewarded. No sacrifice goes unrewarded. He went out there to preach to the people. Whether the people listened or didn't, what do you think could be more pleasing to someone than their own mother accepting Islam? That was the consequence of the sacrifice, the devotion, the dedication, the love of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. And it said that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and his mother Umm al-Khayr stayed for a whole month in the house of Arqam with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the, this particular narration says that there were 39 people at that time. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. And the narration on continues to talk about some other incidents that we'll talk about separately from this particular incident and this particular narration. There are a couple of other narrations that I'd like to quickly share here at the end of today's session. One particular narration that is very interesting that is mentioned here um, is a narration about Amr ibn Abasa, As-Sulami radiallahu anhu. He says he came to the Prophet ﷺ in the early days of the prophethood in Mecca. And at that point in time, the Prophet ﷺ was still keeping things private and quiet. And he says, I asked him, Man anta, who are you? And he said, Ana nabiyun, I am a prophet. He said, what is a prophet? He said, I am a messenger of God. He said, did Allah send you? He said, yes. He said, what did He send you with? He said, bi anta wahdahu la sharika lahu. That you worship Allah alone and don't associate any partners to Him. Wa taksir al asnama. And that you break your idols. Wa tasil al arhama. And then you keep good relations with your family members. He said that ni'mama arsalaka bihi famamma'aka ala hadha This is very beautiful what God has sent you with This is truly admirable what God has sent you with Who is with you in this message in this cause He said hurrun wa abdun He said free and slave free man and slave and one particular narration says that when he was having this conversation with the Prophet ﷺ, on either side of the Prophet ﷺ, there was Abu Bakr and Bilal and the Prophet says, free man and slave, everybody is free to welcome, free to join. And they all join. They all recognize the truth and gravitate towards it. And he says that he accepted Islam at that time. And he was one of the early converts to Islam. There are many other narrations of, uh, of this nature that are mentioned. Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas talks about his Islam and being an early convert to Islam. Um, there's another very beautiful narration about Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, who is a very great companion of the Prophet sallallahu Maybe in one of some of the later uh, you know, sessions, we might even get an opportunity to talk more about Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. But to summarize very briefly, Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu is a man about whom the Sahaba say we used to think he was from the family of the Prophet sallallahu We were all convinced he was a family member. When the ayah of, you know, seeking permission before coming into the home of the Prophet ﷺ was revealed, 
that seek permission before you enter into the home of the Prophet ﷺ. When that ayah was revealed, the Prophet ﷺ read the ayah, gave everyone the instructions and the adab, and then looked at Abdullah bin Mas'ud and said, Idnuka alayya an That the way you seek permission to come into my home is lift up the curtain and walk right in. Your family. Your family. That was the status of Abdullah bin Mas'ud The Prophet ﷺ told him about his status in paradise. That, Ya Abdullah, that your one leg will be weighed on the day of judgment, and it will be heavier than the seven heavens and the seven earths. That the Prophet ﷺ told him the glad tidings of paradise, gave him the news of paradise in this world. And the Sahaba radiallahu anhum say that all of the knowledge of the Sahaba used to end at Abdullah bin Mas'ud or Ali bin Abi Talib. They knew more than all the rest of the Sahaba. The Prophet ﷺ gave him a blank check. The Prophet ﷺ says, anything that you ever hear from Abdullah bin Mas'ud, automatically know it came from me. Open license. It came from me, just know it. That's a level of trust that he had, relationship that he had with the Prophet ﷺ. His story of accepting Islam, it's a very beautiful, what time is Salat al-Isha? 9.15, okay, we're done in about 60 seconds, inshallah. The history of accepting Islam is, he says, I was a young boy who was hired to watch over some camels who used to graze outside of Mecca. So I was a young boy who was hired to, who was hired by Uqba bin Abi Mu'id to watch over some of his camels who would graze outside of Mecca. He said, one day Abu Bakr anhu and the Prophet came. And they saw me, and they asked, Ya Ghulam, Labanun Tasqina? Young man, do you have some milk to, you know, kind of share with us? Kind of conversation breaker again, you know? Wanna, you, got some, you got some milk to share with us as well? He said, Inni Mu'tamanu. Look at the quality of the individual. He says, I am in a position of trust. I have these camels, they just don't belong to me. They don't belong to me. The Prophet ﷺ and he says that therefore I can't serve you anything. Please don't take it personally. I just can't. They're not mine. So then the Prophet ﷺ asked, he goes, are, any, are there any camels here that aren't a part of the herd? Like any camels that are still younger, that aren't a part of the herd? He said, yeah, there, there's some camels kind of around here wandering about that don't really belong to the flock, the herd that I'm watching over. So the Prophet ﷺ now found a young she-camel. This is from the Mu'ajizat of the Prophet ﷺ. Found a young she-camel. Meaning a young she-camel who had not um, been, you know, she had not been bred yet. She had not been joined with a male camel up till this point. She had not been used for breeding yet. Meaning what? That she, this young she-camel did not have any milk. The Prophet ﷺ approached that camel and the Prophet ﷺ touched the she-camel and Abdullah bin Mas'ud says, I swear to God that the udders of the she-camel became filled with milk in front of my eyes. Abu Bakr pulled up a rock and sat down on it. Or no, excuse me, he says that he found a rock that was kind of, kind of curved out, could be kind of like a makeshift bowl. He found a rock like this and he cleaned it out. And he sat down under the camel and he milked the camel into the stone. 
in front of me. And once he milked the camel till it was complete, the Prophet of Allah goes, places his hand on the she-camel and he says, Iqlis. Now recede. Recede back. And he says, in front of my eyes, literally the milk disappeared. The udders went back in. In front of my eyes, Abdullah bin Mas'ud says, I'm watching all of this. And then the Prophet of Allah called me, he said, come sit with this young man. And I sat down with them, and all three of us drank milk out of that rock. And he said, before we drank, he said, you know, the Prophet of Allah said, Bismillah. When they were done, he said, Alhamdulillah. He thanked Allah, praised Allah. So he said, Abdullah bin Masood says, Halimni min hadhal qawli tayyib. Teach me these beautiful words. Teach me these beautiful words. The Prophet of Allah this is again a foretelling, a prophecy by the Prophet of Allah I told you the virtues of Abdullah bin Mas'ud intentionally. Because the Prophet of Allah before he even invites him to Islam, before Abdullah bin Mas'ud accepts Islam, the Prophet of Allah says, إِنَّكَ غُلَامٌ مُعَلَّمٌ You are a very knowledgeable young man. I mean, he's foretelling. He's prophesizing. Saying, you are going to be a man of great knowledge. A man of great knowledge. A mu'allim of this ummah. إِنَّكَ غُلَامٌ مُعَلَّمٌ You have been granted great knowledge. And then, Abdullah bin Mas'ud says, obviously I accepted Islam at the hands of the Prophet And he says that I memorized and obviously when he's saying this, this is before the completion of the Qur'an because Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu is from the original Hufad, the original memorizers of the Qur'an. He had his own handwritten mushaf, he had his own handwritten manuscript of the Qur'an. But at the time he's mentioning this story, he's telling this story, he says, I memorized 70 surahs directly from the mouth of the Prophet meaning I directly received and was taught 70 surahs by the Prophet before anyone else. So up till that point, there were 70 surahs that had been revealed in their entirety. And he said, I was the first hafiz of those 70 surahs. And that's the story of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu accepting Islam. And there are even more stories and more narrations, but inshallah we'll hold off till uh, the next session to talk about more. The next two sahaba radiallahu anhum, early converts once again, that we'll talk about is Khalid bin Sa'id bin Al-As radiallahu anhu, and then we'll also talk about Hamza bin Abdul Muttalib, the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Inshallah in the next uh, couple of sessions we'll be talking about them, and them also coming to Islam, and then some of the materializing of major events. As more and more people come to Islam, some of the major events that transpired. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ability to practice everything that is said and heard. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all true love for the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Subhanakallah wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nasaqfiru wa natubu ilaha.